0: It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 4 There were no other pedestrians on Cannon Street when I walked around the corner at Chapel Avenue. That was nice. From a car, nothing that was about to happen would look especially suspicious, especially when performed by a well-dressed young lady such as myself. I came to the lobby door that led to the offices upstairs. I'd taken a peek at the lock when I cased the joint that afternoon, and I was pretty sure that one of the four keys in the palm of my hand would do the trick. As it turned out, it was the second one, and I slipped into the lobby quickly and quietly, locking the door behind me. I moved at a good pace and didn't try and hide. I was a woman entering a building with a key. No one was going to suspect a thing unless I told them to by acting like a cat burglar. I slipped into the stairwell and moved as quietly as I could through that echo chamber to the second floor. The first door past the stairwell door was for the Murdston Employment Agency. I was pretty sure the notaries down the hall would have a better view, but I stopped at Murdston's door anyway, having switched one set of keys for another in my bag on the way up the stairs. This time it was the third key that did the trick. It would probably open every door on this floor. I left the door at Mertzen's unlocked and tripped merrily down the hallway to Samuel Burker, notary public. As expected, the same key opened Burker's office easily and I slipped into the small space. I had taken a quick glance that afternoon when I had stopped in to ask for directions to somewhere I had no interest in going. I knew that just ahead on the left was the door that led to what I presumed to be Mr. Burker's private sanctum, I had not had an opportunity to case the room itself, but I preferred it on spec since it would let me set up without being in full view of the hallway, with the light from the windows behind me creating a shapely but eminently arrestable silhouette. Burker's office was illuminated by those same street lights, but by this time my eyes had adjusted to the darkness and I moved quickly. Burker's desk was positioned oddly, facing the window rather than the door. This was nice as it gave me space to work without shoving furniture around, "'but it was certainly surprising. "'I imagined that the daily minutiae of a notary public "'was not as exciting as all that. "'However, this seemed like a great deal of wholesale staring out the window "'for a man to commit to. "'The vista wasn't exactly scenic. "'Cannon Street was not renowned for its architecture "'or for much of anything else for that matter. "'What was it about the brick wall across the street "'that little burker found this compelling?' "'I set my bag on his desk and opened it. This was not my regular handbag, but the big Aunt Gladys model that I used as a de facto camera bag when I had occasion to do so, which was more often than I'd have liked. The camera was a nice piece of equipment, and if you're going to do a lot of Lonely Hearts Club work, you've got to have a decent one. I was getting pretty good with it myself. I wouldn't be winning any prizes, but I'm not all that sure that they had contests for these sort of pictures anyway. Then I thought about it a moment and decided that they probably did, and that I didn't want to know about them. There was nothing titillating about what I was about to do. Indeed, Maud Dixon would have been horrified had I been foolish enough to bring it up. There was a sudden flash of light from across the street and I ducked instinctively. Then I realized that it was simply the Venetian blinds being opened up across the way. And all at once I did not wonder why Samuel Burker, notary public, stared out the window each and every day. The paper my client had handed me said her name was Jay Timms and I had as yet taken no pains to confirm that. She was a knockout. She was dressed to entertain in a light brown cocktail dress which hugged her not inconsiderable curves in a manner which Samuel Berker would have given his eye teeth to duplicate. One of the side effects of the life of a detective is that you start inadvertently turning your own analysis upon yourself. As I snapped a few test shots of Jay Timms primping and prepping herself and her bedroom for the evening's work ahead, I knew what I was doing. I was mentally constructing a list of ways in which my own body was superior to that of Jay Timms, suspected harlot. It was not, I noted with both professional detachment and gritted teeth ire, a very long list, but there were some important points. I knew that I was doing this because subconsciously I hated being second fiddle. I knew that if she saw me Janet Timms would probably do the same thing, though she would enjoy the blissful ignorance of her own motivations that comes with a normal civilian life. That is, if romancing a husband out from under his wife each and every Tuesday, regular as Jack Benny, could be termed normal civilian behavior. I was starting to forget. That was another part that bothered me. Tuesdays. I had seen a picture of my client's husband, and he was nothing to get hot and bothered over. Mrs. Mayfield had money, which meant that Mr. Mayfield had some to spread around, but not enough to pay for the apartment across the way. And I found it hard to believe that Jay Timms worked in a shop or an office like the one I was camped out in. Maybe I was being unfair. Maybe she really did love the guy and this was the best that they could do right now. I watched Jay Timms watching herself in the mirror, straightening her seams. No, I knew a little Hellcat when I saw one. There was no way that a regular Tuesday tryst was satisfying that one. So there had to be other marks which meant when the hammer came down and the money was gone, Roger Mayfield would get the boot and someone else would get Tuesday nights. I found myself rooting for Samuel Burker. Somebody had to. A few more clicks of the camera and I had my eye in. All at once the blinds started to bother me. If I were waiting to welcome a lover, I might forget to lower the blinds, but I certainly would not go out of my way to raise them. Miss Dixon is sometimes in a hurry to get to act two, and while I am not a shy girl by nature... The world is full of Samuel Burkers who do not deserve an eye full of me, however badly they might think they need it. Of course, it was swell news for me. My client didn't just want a divorce job special. The Mr. arriving for his little snack, the silhouettes on the shade, her straightening his tie in the doorway with a pair of dopey, post-coital grins on their faces. No, she wanted to humiliate him. She wanted pictures that he would be deeply embarrassed by, though not many men would feel ashamed of proof that they had bedded J. Timms. Of that I felt pretty certain. Still, she was the client, and if I could get what she wanted without picking the lock of the apartment across the way and going in camera in one hand, pistol in the other, that would be nice for me. I wasn't above it, but it was undignified. Something out of the corner of my eye was bothering me all of a sudden, and I took a look at street level to see just what it was down the street to my left, there was an old black Ford. Looked like maybe a 41 in pretty poor shape. The car was of no interest, but the alert black shape sitting within was another story. I turned the camera in that direction. I didn't have much of an angle, but he seemed to be looking at the light from the open window, even though he couldn't possibly see the goods on display from where he was. How long had he been there? Was this Roger Mayfield arriving a little early? No. The shape was too big and the jaw was too square. I played with the lens a little bit, cursing under my breath that I would need to tune J. Tim's in all over again because of old Squarejaw here. I could see him now, looking casual with such practiced ease that it was impossible for me to be sure he was faking it, though I'd have given you the odds. Maybe he was waiting for someone. I watched him for another five minutes and he hardly moved. What could he be doing? What was he looking at? Suddenly his attention turned to the dashboard of the Ford, and I realized in disgust that I had been riveted by a man staring into the middle distance as he listened to the radio. Probably a ball game. Nuts to this. I turned back to the window. Jay Timms was lighting candles on both sides of the bed. She was in a hurry to get to Act 2, too. If she lit a few more, there just might be enough light. I played with the camera a little, trying to remember the lessons I had coaxed out of a newspaper shutterbug I used to know. At last, I felt pretty sure that I would have the low-light settings I needed if the blind stayed open, and if they didn't, as long as there was a little of the pre-show on display before they were closed, it would probably be enough for Anne Mayfield. Not many housewives actually wanted to see the whole corpus delecti, however much they insisted that they did. Ten minutes later, we were still waiting quietly, Jay, Timms, and I, for the show to begin. She had just taken her first glance down to street level to see if this evening's Prince Charming was about to arrive when I heard a click quite close to my ear. I did not move. I am not skittish by nature, but I know the sound of a hammer being cocked when I hear it. This one was a large-caliber automatic, which meant it wasn't a cop. I turned my head as slowly and non-threatening as I could. It was my friend with the square jaw, and his friend the Forty-Five. Hi, he said. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Where we listen and imagine together.